0: Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the will of the Lord. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks. Uh, for this time of the year, filled with um, a lot of celebration, a lot of um, happiness, uh, a lot of bright things and good food, and times with family and friends and holidays. At the same time, we, we also know that this time of the year doesn't change the reality of life, that it can be hard, uh, very hard, uh, for many of us uh, here and around the world. And so, uh, even more so today, we pray that for those of us who are here, Uh, whether for the first time just visiting church uh, with our family and friends, or whether we are regulars and those who have followed Jesus, we pray that your word will give us the comfort uh, that we so need, the rest uh, from all this weariness and heaviness of life. We give you great thanks that the Lord Jesus came, uh, that he was born as a man, that he came to die, that he was risen to life so that we may have life and hope and peace eternal. Uh, This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder whether you've uh, ever received an offer that you simply couldn't refuse. Perhaps uh, your offer to come this morning was an offer you simply couldn't refuse. Uh, maybe not likely so, right? <laughs> in the scheme of things, maybe you would drag along today. Uh, but there are other things in life, maybe you do think of an offer that you simply can't refuse. Uh, I, w- I remember when I was in fourth year uni and I was on placement in Alice Springs for two months. Uh, and one of my best mates was getting married uh, right in the middle of my placement. I remember this is uh, 19 no, sorry, it is not 19, 2001, right, when I was in fourth year, I'm not that old, Um, and flights were pretty expensive, uh, but my mate decided that he'd fly me back just for the weekend uh, to be his best man, uh, to be able to enjoy the celebration of his union, to be able to feast on the Asian banquet that was going to be that night, Um, and it was an offer I simply couldn't refuse, right, he was going to pay for everything, he was going to dress me up in a nice suit and feed me good food and celebrate with him and his wife. It was an offer I simply couldn't refuse. Now, it's not often we get offers that we simply can't pass up. But in our passage today, and this is the last sermon of a six-week series in which we looked at the story of Christmas. And if this is your first time this week, if you'd like to go back to five weeks ago and start listening from the beginning of the series, you will hear, I guess, a six-part series on the true meaning of Christmas that goes all the way back to creation because the Creator came into creation at Christmas. And all the way to today, when we hear about the offer that Jesus gives uh, through this Christmas period. And the offer we see in this passage uh, is an offer that we simply mustn't refuse. It's too good to pass up. Have a look at verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now I wonder who here isn't feeling tired? Who here isn't feeling burdened by something or by many things? Uh, 2022 uh, has been a long and challenging year for me, and I know that it's been a long and challenging year for many of you. And after 2021 and 2020, with all the COVID madness that we've been going through, amongst many other things in life, right? There's the never-ending demands of daily life, uh, the, the grind of life, the griefs of life, the constant flow of bad news that wears us down. Uh, someone loses their job, or someone is hit with cancer, or going through a separation and divorce. We hear of accidents and sudden deaths. News of another flood, another war threatens to break out around the world somewhere, and the news of yet another interest rate hike. And then there's the heaping up of burdens that kind of weigh down on us. The burden of expectation, the pressures to perform, the demands that are placed on us at home, at school, and at work, coming at us from all sorts of forces on the outside, as well as from the inside, the the weight of expectation that we feel within ourselves. And then there's also the brokenness of our relationships. Friends uh, seem to constantly let us down. Family, life never seems to be what we really hope for it to be. The workplace is a minefield of political games and backstabbing and gossip. And then there's the brokenness, of course, within our own lives. The sins and faults that we simply can't overcome no matter how much we try. The guilt of things that we've done and the guilt of things that we haven't done. The feelings of failure, loneliness, insecurity, and more. And worst of all, it's a separation that we feel from God, that within us, there, that we sense uh, in our spiritual life that there must be something more and that something isn't quite right in our relationship with God, whoever He might be. Knowing the reality that we have been and are unfaithful to God in so many ways, I know cripples many of us who, who are believers especially. Now, Who of us here hasn't experienced one or more of these things? Who here isn't in need of rest, of rest from all this weariness and heaviness of life. What our soul most needs is what Jesus offers. To all, all who labor and are heavy laden, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You see, the the weariness and heaviness of this life was never the way that life was supposed to be. Right right at the beginning, God created the world and He created it for rest. If you were to read your Bible from the start, as you might start next week on the Christmas resolution, I'll start reading from Genesis 1. You will soon get to Genesis 2 at the beginning and you'll see that God, after having created a perfect world, a, a very good world, a paradise, God rested from His work. After God had finished making a world in the way that it should be, He rested. And then He called on His people that He had created to rest With him. Now, this was God's purpose for creating the world. And he created us uh, in order that we might be at rest with God. Now, what is this rest that the Bible talks about? Now, rest doesn't mean like inactivity, it doesn't mean slackness and an endless laziness. Now, I remember um, my summer holidays back when I was in high school and uni. How do I blank this? It doesn't work. All right. I remember my summer holidays back in high school uh, and in uni, uh, I would sleep until midday. These days, in my mid-40s, I can't sleep past 7 a.m. Those of you who can sleep in, God bless you. But I used to sleep until midday, and then I wake up just in time right, for the lunch break at the cricket, right, to be able to watch the highlights of the morning session. And then I lounge down my couch, and the afternoon session will come and go, and then uh, the, uh, in the evening, when the cricket was over, what happens? Tennis. Australian Open is on, right? So I switch over, right, to tennis. Back in, back in those days, it was channel 9 for cricket, channel 7 for tennis. And there I go, all the way till about 10, 10.30. And if it was uh, Nadal versus Federer, it would be like midnight, right? Some of those classics. And in interspersed and all that, I would just be taking naps on my couch. And then I'll be uh, clicking my fingers for my mum to bring me the pizza. Just kidding. I never did that, right? My, my fingers would have been chopped off. Um, I would ask my mum if I could have dinner. Very nice. And then I would eat ice cream, of course, straight from the tub. Right, one liter, Sara Lee, ultra chocolate. Gone, right? In one day. Now, that's not rest. Well, it is kind of rest, I suppose. But it's not the kind of rest that the Bible speaks of. You see, the Bible speaks of a rest that is the experience of life where everything is as it should be. Right? Where everything is as it should be. In the right place, and in the right order. Uh, Whether that's our relationship with God, our relationship with the world, or with other people, and even internally, all is right. Rest is the experience of life without sin that separates us from God, that earns God's righteous anger, that brings destruction to everything that we touch. Rest is living in a world without chaos and disorder, without... um, frustration and futility as we work and try to live in this world. Rest is having relationships that are free of the fear from being hurt, enjoying peace and genuine love and deep intimacy. And This is the picture of rest that the Bible gives us. This is the rest that we were created by our God to enjoy. Don't we long for life to be like that? Don't we long for this kind of rest? Where things are as they should be. Now, Jesus' offer is to come to him for rest. Come to him for rest. So, the question there might be how do we do that, right? How do we come to Jesus for rest? Well, have a look at verse 29. Is it off? Ooh, I accidentally turned it off. Oh, it works now. All right. Uh, verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, right? Now, Jesus says to find rest in him, that first line there, right? Take my yoke upon you, which sounds like a contradictory statement because if you understand what a yoke is, it doesn't sound very restful. For this is what a yoke is, right? A yoke is a device that you wear right, to carry a load. It's a burden that workers have to carry through the day and they can't wait to lay it down at the end of the day to rest. Right? So how can taking a yoke be a restful thing? Now I want to say that, in a sense, in, the, in this illustration or this analogy that Jesus used about yoke here, everyone carries a yoke in life, right? We all use some method, some device, right, to carry our burdens in life. You see, when Jesus spoke these words, the religious leaders back in Jesus' time placed the yoke, the burden of the law, for the Jews to carry, right, to be right with God, uh, to live rightly in this world, to get through. Uh, life to relate properly with other people and to do business and to live a social life, they had to bear the burden of the legal uh, requirements of the Jewish law uh, to be able to get through life. They had to live in strict obedience to the Old Testament law and all these additional laws that the Jewish leaders made up. Right? This was the yoke that they had to carry to make them uh, right with God and to make sense of life and to get through life. And it certainly did not bring them any rest. Right, The, the yoke and the burden of the law was a great Burden. Now today, I doubt that any of us here in this room carries the law of the Old Testament as our yoke to bear the burdens of life. But we've all chosen other yokes to help us to bear the burdens of life. Whether it is a religion or a spirituality or family or money or achievements or a combination of these things, we are all yoked to something that we use to help us to cope with and carry us through life. But with every yoke, there is a burden and a demand in themselves. Rules and rituals that we have to obey, responsibilities and expectations to meet, frustrations and failures, being disappointed and let down by all these things that the yoke is supposed to help us to get through life. Every yoke that this world offers that helps us to make sense of life, bear the burden of life actually adds to our burden as well. Right? They aren't able to give us rest. All these things that we ha- find help from don't actually give us rest. But it's totally different when we take Jesus as our yoke. See, taking Jesus as our yoke doesn't add to the burden. Right? It doesn't add to the burden. It lightens it. In fact, one day, he will completely remove all of the burdens if we take Jesus as our yoke. Now, Jesus says that his yoke is one of learning, right? A learn from me, Jesus says. Become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, you see, the emphasis first and foremost isn't on what there is to learn, though there, those things that we can learn from Jesus are immensely helpful. The emphasis first and foremost is on who we're learning from, right? Who you're to follow, who you're to be a disciple of. Jesus says of himself, "For I am gentle and lowly in heart." Jesus says, "Come to me, take me on a CEO, for I am gentle." The word gentle here in some versions says, uh, is, is translated meek. And that is a beautiful word that we don't really use much anymore, right? The word meek. Now, when we think of Jesus, gentle, uh, or when we think of Jesus meek and mild, right? as the old hymn says, some of us may picture Jesus meek and mild as baby Jesus, right? A weak, uh, helpless, soft little Jesus, like we saw in the video before. Who was it in the video? Is it Levi? I don't know who was very cute. And we think of Jesus, you know, meek and mild like that as a baby. But the meaning of the word meek means power under control, right? Power under control. Now, there is no one more powerful than Jesus. If you've been along the last uh, month or so, you would have heard that he is the creator of the world, the almighty king, the eternal son of God. If you read back a few verses, we hear that the father has given all things to the Son. And in the end of Matthew, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. And yet Jesus did not come as a tyrant, as an authoritarian ruler. He didn't come to threaten us with punishment or to, to burden us with exacting demands to follow. He didn't come with a pointed finger or an angry fist. But He came with open arms. He came with open arms, drawing in The little children, the sick, the lost, the wretched, the guilty, the ostracized and the shunned of society, Jesus came with open arms and he drew them all in. And then with open arms, stretched out on a cross, he, though uh, having the power of being fully God, meekly and gently offered himself, handed himself over to his enemies and laid down his life to be offered as a sacrificial lamb to pay for our sins. You see, the all-powerful Creator and King gently stepped forward and allowed Himself to be broken like a twig, to be our substitute in judgment, to be the propitiation, that big word that we learned two weeks ago, that takes away God's wrath on us, His rightful anger upon us. This is the gentle, meek Jesus that we're invited to come to. They were invited to come to. But there's more. It also says that he is lowly in heart. Come to Jesus, the lowly in heart. Now, once again, we need to know that there's no one as high and as mighty as Jesus. He's the creator of the world, the almighty king, the eternal son of God. He's the son uh, that that God the Father has given all things to. The one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Remember that, right? But what did he do? What did he do? What have we been learning throughout the Christmas sermon series? That's right, he he lowered himself. He set aside his glory of heaven and he became fully man. Why? And this is a revision from the last two weeks. So as to become one of us. Fully man, fully human. So as to become accessible to us. The eternal glorious one came down from the heights and the glories of heaven to the sinful and broken world. He experienced all of the yuckiness of this life, of this world, all the the tests, all the trials, all the temptations, all the troubles to experience all that we experience. He lowered Himself so that we can approach Him knowing that He knows us and that He gets us. We can approach Him knowing that He can help us. For He came to be like us to experience all that we experience so that He can help us. Whatever bad news we receive, whatever burdens we carry, whatever brokenness we experience in our lives, especially the burden of sin and guilt, know that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart to you. Come to Him and learn about Him and follow Him. Because He is the only one in His gentleness and lowliness who can save. He's the only one who can help us and give us what we most need for life. That is why when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for rest, we understand what he means now. It is not burdensome. It it is restful. Jesus is the only yoke we can carry that can give us rest deep into our very souls. And so Jesus finishes in verse 30 with this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That should be verse 30, right? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, as we read these verses or this verse, we might be thinking, whoa, right? Easy there, Jesus. Right? Some of us will be thinking, how can it be that right following Jesus is easy and light? Right? I don't think there is a single believer or an unbeliever in this room right now who thinks that being a Christian and following Jesus is easy and light. Anyone think that's easy? Anyone think it's light? That doesn't seem to make sense, right? But consider all the other alternative yokes in life, right? Consider all the other things that we try to save ourselves, to create meaning and purpose in our lives, to fix the problems in our world and in our own lives. Consider all the other religions and systems for life in this world. All of those yokes require us to do all of the things, all of the doing, all of the striving yet never being able to achieve the rest that we are striving for because the yokes themselves are a burden. But with Jesus, he is the one that does all of the heavy lifting. Right? Jesus did the impossibly hard thing, the impossibly hard thing of giving up his life for us so that salvation is as easy as receiving a gift. Jesus bore the burden of giving up glory and becoming lowly so that our burdens are lightened as He walks with us and helps us through life. You see, there is no part of salvation, there is no part of living for Jesus where our yoke isn't being made easy by Jesus, where our burdens aren't being lightened by Jesus as we follow Him. That is why Jesus says, Come to me, take on my yoke, for it is easy and light. It is easy and light in comparison to anything else we might try in this life this is not the greatest offer it sounds pretty good to me right isn't it one you simply can't refuse so the question then is why is it that people don't come to jesus if the offer is so gloriously good and why is it that people don't come to jesus now perhaps you're not a believer here this morning and you're not convinced and you're not moved by any of this christian stuff especially by Jesus. Or perhaps you are a believer and you've been discouraged by just how unresponsive that people have been to Jesus as you try and share the gospel with them. And you're getting frustrated and you're getting disappointed and discouraged about your faith. Now let's understand why, by looking back a few verses, right, to verses 25 and 26, to see why is it that people don't receive the offer that Jesus gives. So verse 25, 26, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Now, three clear points are being made in these two verses, so let me go through them, right? The first point is this The wise and understanding don't come to Jesus because God has hidden Jesus from them. That sounds pretty confronting, isn't it? The wise and understanding don't come to Jesus because God has hidden Jesus from them. God has hidden Jesus from the eyes of those who are wise and understanding right, in their own eyes. If you look at the context of chapter 11 and the people that Jesus has been interacting with before, there are all these people who think that they are wise and understanding in their own eyes. Those who think that they already know it all. Those who rely on themselves and their own resources, their own intellect, their own ability to figure things out. Now, I wonder whether you've ever had the experience right, of uh, speaking to a know-it-all. Have you ever had experience of speaking to someone who thinks they know it all? Maya's like nodding. When she speaks to me, that's what she feels like. No, no, no. It's one of the most frustrating experiences, isn't it, to speak to a know-it-all. Whether it's a a, a kid in primary school or a a teenager or whether it's someone who's grown up, a young man, woman, maybe even someone who is old, especially maybe uh, those who have had a lot of experience in life. It doesn't matter what age, there are know-it-alls, aren't there? I see all the time on my Facebook feed, right, a topic is raised, something pretty serious, and there's always two or three know-it-alls right, who are like keyboard warriors. And, right, and the answers just keep going longer and longer as they argue, back and forth, back and forth, right, taking their various positions, polarizing positions. And then hundreds, maybe thousands of comments later, not a single one of them has ever budged from the position from which they started. What's the point? A right? complete waste of time. You see, when it comes to matters of the Christian faith, many people are like that. They've already decided, they've already decided what they already know. They've already decided what they already know. That they already know it all. Right? It doesn't matter what evidence that Christians might present. They've already decided that it couldn't possibly be true. Their minds are closed to any possibility that Jesus really is the Creator, the Son of God. Right? Their wisdom insists that people don't need saving, right? we're basically good people. That people are in charge of their own lives uh, and uh, they're not just free to, but they have the right to, the innate right to decide for themselves who they are and how they are to live. Their understanding has determined that this world is all that there is. That religion, especially Christianity, has no role, no place, and no relevance. Indeed, it is harmful and hateful To to, to share the gospel and to convince people that Jesus is the saving king. And so, Jesus tells us that to those who are wise and understanding in their own eyes, God hides the truth from them. God hides the truth from people who already decided that they will not change their minds about anything to do with Jesus. But the second point is this. The little children come to Jesus, because, Jesus uh, because God reveals Jesus to them. The little children come to Jesus because God reveals cho- Jesus to them. Now, what are children like? Right, we saw a whole bunch of them at the front before. What are children like? Right, they are inquisitive. Why? Why? Right, right. They keep asking you questions, aren't they? They're inquisitive. They want to know things. And before they become proud and jaded and snarky teenagers, they are very receptive, aren't they? They're receptive up to a certain age. When little children don't know what a word means, they ask. Right? What does it mean? And us adults uh, who are wise and understanding our own eyes, even if we don't really know what it means, we make it up. Try and sound smart, right? Don't trust us, right? Go and Google it yourselves. You'll probably get a better answer. Just kidding. Uh, we, we know some stuff, but the children, they'll, they'll, they'll ask when they don't know. When little children don't know how something works, they'll run up to you and they'll ask you and to show them, right? How does it work? But when they grow a little older, they don't ask you anymore, do they? They fiddle around with it, and they break it, and you get so angry. You should have just asked me, and I've got to help you. But when they're little children, they ask. Little children, they don't rely on their own resources. They have none, right? They're open to learning, to receiving knowledge, instruction, and help. And so it is to little children, to those with little children attitude, that God reveals who Jesus is to those with little children attitude who want to learn, who want to be taught. And so we come to the third point. Revealing Jesus to little children is God's gracious will. It is God's good way of doing things. Which sounds kind of surprising, isn't it? That He would hide uh, the truth from some and then reveal it only to others. This is a good thing, a gracious thing from God. Now when it comes to us and God, when it comes to Creator and creature, when it comes to the infinite and the finite, when it comes to the infinite glorious and great versus us, you know, rather not so great, there simply cannot be any place for pride. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that if heaven, right, if eternity is to be filled with those who are wise and understanding in their own eyes, if it is filled with all the know-it-alls, right, that we just thought about before when I talked about the know-it-alls, can you imagine what heaven would be like, right? There will be all these people walking around with their heads high, their nose up in the air, right? Looking down at other people. I'm here because I figured it all out, right? And they puffed their out. out. How much did you figure out, right, to be able to get into heaven? How much help did you need? I got like 9995 on my, what is it nowadays? ATAR, when it comes to entering heaven. You, 9991 shh, you know? Pathetic weakling. You know, only elite thinkers here. Right, you lot, sub elite, over there, right? You go hang around with all the, the slobs, right? all the lesser. Can you imagine heaven like that? I wouldn't want to be there. What kind of people will be in heaven? The proud, the entitled, the insufferable will be those in heaven if it's the wise and understanding in their own eyes who are there. What kind of relationships would there be in heaven when it's filled with those who are wise and understanding in their own eyes? Will we see any humility, any gratitude, any honour and thanks and worship be given to our God who deserves it, if it is filled with those who are wise and understanding in their own eyes? There will not be any of those good things. There will not be. No, God's will is certainly not to have people like that with Him, because that would not be heaven. Instead, it is God's good and gracious will that the humble receive Jesus. Those who know their sin, their ignorance, their weaknesses and their failings. Those who come to see their need for God and their need to depend on Jesus. Then heaven will be filled with grateful people, right? Grateful people who love and worship God because they know that life and salvation are gifts from God. Then heaven will be filled with humble people, gentle people, lowly people, people who are like Jesus who will treat each other with the utmost grace and love because we are all recipients of grace and love. And that's the only reason that we can be there in heaven with God and with each other. This is God's way of working. He gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. So then on this Christmas morning, I want to ask, where do we stand? Right? Where do we stand? What is your response to the offer of Jesus? Uh, is it the offer of true, deep, and it, it is the offer of true, deep, and eternal rest. And boy, don't we need it? Don't you need rest? I do. It's been a long year. It's been a long life. Right? This rest that Jesus offers is found in Jesus, the one who is gentle and lowly. Perhaps uh, over time, uh, at times in your more sober moments, you've been trying to find up, find meaning trying to find ways to carry your life and using all sorts of means to get through each day. And yet you haven't found the rest that you're hoping for. You've thrown yourself into work. You've thrown yourself into your hobbies. You've thrown yourself into your relationships, into your spouse, into your parents, into your children, into travel. You, You try many things and it never gives you the rest that you look for. The bad news just keeps coming and your heart is broken. The burdens weigh you down without much hope of relief. The brokenness you feel from the world, from society, from the people around you just keep coming, and the brokenness within never seems to be able to be healed. And perhaps we feel that sin and guilt towards God, if it really does exist, that there's, there's something not quite right, that you've been unfaithful in some way and sinful, the yokes that you've tried to find to bear you up and to carry your life hasn't been working out for you, Then today, then today, Jesus is giving you an offer that you can't refuse, that you mustn't refuse. Jesus says, come to me for rest. Take on his yoke, learn from him. He is gentle and lowly for you. He came to save you, to give you life, to give you hope, and to give you joy everlasting. This is the Christmas message. And so Merry Christmas, whether it is that you're hyped up like Jordan has been this whole morning, or whether you're heavy, laden, and wearied, Merry Christmas to you. Come to Jesus. Maybe for the first time and that'll be a wonderful thing. Or else come back to Jesus over and over again every single day of your life. Follow him. Let me pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for the opportunity to be gathered this morning to sit under these beautiful words of Jesus, to hear from him this offer that we simply cannot refuse, to come to him to find rest For us who are heavy laden, for us who are burdened, for those of us who are broken in so many ways, help us to see in Jesus salvation from our sin, from our guilt, from our unfaithfulness to you, salvation from all the brokenness that we feel in our lives and the hope that one day he will return to redeem it all, fix all of the problems that are in this world and to bring us into an eternity where we can enjoy you, enjoy each other and enjoy the new heavens and the new earth for all eternity. For those of us uh, who are burdened, we pray especially for your presence today. We pray that you'll humble us, help us not to be wise and understanding in our own eyes, but help us come to Jesus and to see that in him is our only hope. Please help us to put our trust in him and follow him. For this we pray in his beautiful name.